welcome to another episode of the Feminist Survival Project 2020. It's a podcast for anyone who believes that being a woman is neither a medical condition nor a moral failing, uh, so that we can all survive the shocking hellscape that is 2020. Mm -hmm. I am Emily. I'm Amelia. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt Interactive Special, which if you have not seen it, we're going to be spoiling the shit out of it. So yeah. if you uh, have been planning to watch it and uh, don't want it to be spoiled, now is a good time to stop listening. Go watch Although, it. And then there's come a back. lot of research that shows that when you know what's coming, you probably enjoy that content more. Yes, people. Some people enjoy surprises, but a lot of people actually enjoy knowing what they're walking into and then observing it. In fact, uh, the research often says that people say they do not want things to be spoiled and then they end up mm -hmm. enjoying things better if it has been spoiled. Yep. So um, you might just want to like keep listening and let us spoil it yep. and then you can enjoy it with the extra level of insight that comes from having no, already had this conversation. Exactly. Okay. So for those who don't know, Kimmy Schmidt is a Netflix series in which a girl named Kimmy is abducted in middle school and kept in a bunker for like 15 years. And she finally escapes in her, I don't know what, late 20s, early 30s? Mm -hmm. Is that late 20s? And so she escapes and she's still kind of in this mindset of a middle schooler a little bit, but she's experienced this trauma and she changes her life. She decides, I'm not going back to Indiana, which is where I was. Is it Indiana? Yeah. Indiana, where I was abducted. I'm going to come here and I'm going to stay in New York City. They're on, in New York City. She and the other women that she was abducted with, they're on TV. Then they're going to go back. And she's like, no, I'm staying here in New York. And she starts her whole life over. And it's a fascinating transition. Ooh, damn it. Damn it. Uh, for the record, my own therapist will not watch the show because she can't understand how they could make it funny that something so genuinely appalling would happen to a child. And fair enough. Yeah, yeah. But my argument in favor of it is that the humor does not derive from her trauma. It's derived from the fish out of water story of her yes. cultural references stopping 15 years before the story starts. Like, yeah, and her PTSD is just sort of spice. And it's it's totally there, is the thing, is they do yeah. not erase her trauma. She truly has, like, you, uh, the, she has flashbacks. She has uh, uncontrolled behavior outbursts, yeah. things she doesn't understand. Mm -hmm. But she also has a hardcore set of evidence-based characteristics and practice of people who experience post-traumatic growth. Mm -hmm. It is in the nature of her character, the blistering optimism, her true delight in small pleasures, her, like this choice she makes to live in New York City, to make for herself a life of her own choosing mm -hmm. and not the life that, that would be prescribed, proscribed by her survival. And those are yeah. characteristics of people who grow after trauma. And they make it clear from the other women who were abducted and kept in the bunker with her that even there, she was considered the most positive, the one who kind of kept everybody else feeling positive, even while they were all grieving. Yeah. Some of the advice she gives other characters is I figured like I anybody can survive anything for 10 seconds. So I would just count 10 seconds. to 10. There's a song, 10 seconds yeah. at a time. Um, which yes. like lots of people use. And in fact, if in the interactive special, if you, if you yeah. make her do one of the choices, she starts Listening like to the entire, yeah, yeah. And like, don't, yeah, don't tell them. Don't okay. let's leave that one a mystery, but it's, it does come up. It's so good. But there's all, there's another game that Kimmy plays where she like jumps up and down with her hands in the air and says, I'm not really here. I'm not really here. Like a strategy she used in the bunker. Yeah. Like, hmm. 
right? So like it's super yeah. dark, but super real, but also super funny. All yeah. at the same time. I'm a fan of Kimmy Schmidt. I think they do it really well. But yeah. And Kimmy does go to therapy. She does get a therapist eventually. Yeah. Sort of. That's also funny. But like, it's not like they hide the fact that she knows she needs right. a professional help. Yeah. And she gets it and she like goes through a whole healing process and they give yeah. her happily ever afters that she deserves. So in yeah. Kimmy Schmidt, the interactive special, the slightly larger context is we see Kimmy at a moment when she is days away from getting married to an actual prince played, of course, by Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe, yes. Who is, who's hilarious in it. Hilarious and charming. So good and so well written. Extremely self-referential and yeah. like great. So she's about to get married and she discovers a clue that indicates there might be another bunker with right. other girls. And she can't get married until she finds these girls and saves them. Right? Her perpetrator, she calls the Reverend. And the title of the thing is Kimmy versus the Reverend. So here's the point where it gets really spoilery, but it's probably not a spoiler based on that title. That the climax mm -hmm. of the show is when Kimmy confronts the reverend she has chased him into the woods he trips yeah. and falls and breaks his ankle and yeah. he's lying on the ground and kimmy has a gun because she took it away from a baby to keep a baby yeah. safe it's for good reasons she has a she has a gun for compassion she, she has a gun for tender-hearted reasons. reasons and the reverend lying on the ground with a broken ankle helpless says whatever you're thinking don't do it what are you thinking kimmy and mm -hmm. four choices appear at the bottom of the screen. For context, other choices that appeared at the bottom of the screen are, for example, we're given the option to have the fun dress or the fancy dress when we're choosing her wedding dress. You can right. make Titus, one of the other characters, take a nap or go to the gym. Like, those are the kind of right. choices that you have. And in this case, you get four choices. Your choices are shoot him, stomp him, spare him, or explode him. Yeah. Three of those choices then are uh, kill him. When you shoot him, he dies. Yeah. When yeah. you stomp him, you kick him in the face until he dies. And when you explode him, Kimmy out of nowhere gets a shoulder-mounted missile launcher. Yeah, because um, it's basically a cartoon. It's it's a cartoon for sure. And the Reverend is like, "No, no, you're too close. You'll kill us both." And <laughs> they both do explode, explode, explode. Mm -hmm. And the only choice where the Reverend doesn't die is spare him spare him okay so with each choice you pick a thing and they're like she does the thing and shoot him she now this him. is not the only case in the movie where you get to make a decision where someone dies either by accident or you know through neglect or whatever so it's not like this comes out of nowhere that there's a character dying they have said this up before that a character dies and you go back and you make another decision and then you keep going in the story. In at least so, two other places that I can think of off the top of my head. Yes. So they have set up that people die. So here's the thing. Here's why it's so good. This, for from a trauma survivor point of view, if you shoot him, Kimmy shoots him and he dies and she stares at him in this sort of numb way and then she realizes she has to go back to looking for the bunker and looking for the girls. So she wanders into the woods shouting, girls, girls. And then what happens? Cut to, Cut to Daniel Radcliffe engaged to her friend Lillian. Lillian is played by Carol Kane, who's 70? Yeah, she's so funny. As so often happens, she says, pity turns to love. Lillian was there for him. <laughs> 
so, and, and they explained that Kimmy turned into a hill person. She just like lost herself in the woods. Yeah. So she kills the bad guy and she loses everything else. Yeah. When she stomps him, what happens? She kicks him in the face and stomps him till he's dead. And he's lying on the ground screaming and begging for his life. And he says, I'll tell you where the girls are. And then she kicks him some more and he dies. Yeah. And Kimmy grapples with his limp corpse. And it is some of the best acting I've seen John Hamm do. Like, he is dead. The Reverend is played by John Hamm. John Hamm. Reverend's played by John Hamm. In a disturbingly charming, positive, endearing yet creepy way yeah like too attractive but again like if he's a guy who does these horrible crimes he'd have to be right. likable on some level and john ham yeah. manages to capture both the horror of him and also like the sort of like charm um yeah. but he's dead here and kimmy like grapples with limb's corpse and is shouting tell me where they are tell me but he can't because he's dead and so kimmy because she killed him it's the most realistic thing i've ever seen on this show is like she drops him and she just screams into the sky yeah cut to daniel radcliffe is now marrying her other friend xanthippe yeah who was going to officiate her wedding and uh, yeah. it's clear that Xanthippe is using Daniel Radcliffe who's this very naive prince who was prince, raised protected yeah. from everything and uh so again it is good to know that just because Kimmy disappears Daniel Radcliffe is not going to be left hanging sure at least at least the prince will be happy but again Kimmy loses everything she kills the loses bad guy everything. but she loses literally everything yeah option 3 when Kimmy explodes him, shoulder-mounted rocket launcher, missile launcher, bazooka thing, they both die instantly. Yeah. Cut to? Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. Oh, cut to Daniel Radcliffe sitting next to something that looks a lot like Kimmy. He takes a hair out of her hairbrush and has her cloned. And so he's sitting next. He's like, we, we couldn't be happier. I had her cloned. And this like sort of like grotesque bride of Frankenstein is sitting next to him going, Kimmy, explode. I saw a version where after she explodes him, Titus's boyfriend is on the screen saying, I don't think you're making good decisions for Kimmy here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Do you, is that really what our Kimmy would do? So there's a lot of different varieties of versions of results you can get based on the context like which order you choose but the consequences for the prince there's always a different consequence for the prince he ends up with somebody else and she loses everything yeah and and then okay so option one he kimmy kills the bad guy but loses everything else option two kimmy kills the bad guy but loses everything else option three kimmy kills the bad guy and loses everything else uh daniel radcliffe is left with some others no when you kill him all three ways which Mm -hmm. i did multiple times you don't get to see the prince's new partner story but instead you're taken to hell where you meet the reverend in hell (laughs) listening to sugar rays fly incessantly over and over again (laughs) drinking urine from a sexually abusive puppet who once molested titus Titus, yeah. So he's in hell. He doesn't even know he's in hell because he fits in so well to hell. Yeah, you know it's a cartoon because there's a puppet who harasses one of the other characters and has a and puppet, puppet penis and urinates. In hell and has an like actual puppet penis. Yeah, like this is it's a very silly show and yet also very serious. Yeah, it's, it's both of those things at the same time. Yeah, which is what makes it palatable and it's what makes it so brilliant and beautiful. Uh, and engaging. You, you get that story, but then also, when you spare him, 
Kimmy throws down the gun and declares, no, I'm better than you. This is not the world I choose to live in. Right? She makes the right choice. Because that's what Kimmy does. Kimmy always makes the right choice. He makes the rise yes. above it choice. Exactly. Um, and the reverend <laughs> is like, fine, now you have to carry me out of the woods of the van. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. he's still an asshole. Um, and yeah. she's like, no, I'm going to find a big piece of wood to make you a splint. And mm-hmm. in her search for the big piece of wood, she finds a marker for the bunker. She brushes away the leaf litter. She finds the door. She opens the bunker door using the superhuman strength that has been long established in the series. Yeah. And the other girls... Kimmy, why are you so strong? Over and over again. Why are you so strong, Kimmy? Yeah. Yeah. It's a metaphor. It is. Why are you so strong, Kimmy? Hmm. What is the crank for? Uh, the survivors emerge from the bunker. She opens the door and here are all these other girls. And it's a shot for shot replication of Kimmy's own rescue. Only Which now is in the opening credits. No, she's in the rescuer. And these mm-hmm. women come out and they gaze around the world. And she says, it's all here. It's all still here. She knows exactly what they need to hear. One of them hugs her, cut to the wedding and happily ever after for everyone. Right. It is when she spares him. That we yeah. get the happily ever after. Not just that she does not lose everything, but she gains knowing that she has saved these other people. Exactly. So the queen- And also, by coincidence, she saves the other people and they win too. That's not nothing. That is far from nothing. So I love this a lot because it does far more than a regular story of survivorship and a confrontation with a perpetrator can ever otherwise do. It is in the nature that we get to do all four stories that makes it so satisfying. Because on the one hand, survivors need to turn back to their trauma and fill in the blanks of their story and craft for themselves an emotionally satisfying, optimistic ending. This is true for... And this is not you being hippy-dippy-woo-woo. This is an evidence-based strategy. Yeah, this is an evidence-based intervention. So I knew a survivor who did EMDR, eye movement desensitization Mm -hmm. something. I forget what it stands for. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. EMDR. um, And what she did was visualize her perpetrator being sprayed with a fire hose. Mm -hmm. To keep him away, but also cleanse him of the bad things that made him attack her. Nice. Yeah. Right. And we know the story of me, like, hearing multiple stories of sexual violence and then, like, crying on my keyboard until I transitioned that emotion in my body into a happily ever after that was fictional on the page I was writing. But it was a real true emotion in my heart. We know for sure that when we grant survivors the opportunity to use their imaginations to turn back to their trauma and rewrite that history, it's incredibly healing. We know that for sure. That's actual science. Mm -hmm. So when we have the opportunity to play out these scenarios and have the opportunity to go back to the moment before we decided to hurt the perpetrator, it gives us an opportunity to like harness the rage and the fear and the helplessness and use it to destroy the perpetrator, which is very satisfying. I don't know one survivor who hasn't had fantasies of destroying their perpetrator. Oh, yeah. Do you know one? No, everybody does. Yeah, which makes perfect sense. But the impossible task that, because of human giver syndrome, insert human giver syndrome episode here, the impossible task we demand, particularly of women survivors, is that they 
ignore the rage and the fear and the helplessness that they never look back that they um never punish anyone for the harm that was done to them yeah they don't need anything and they're always calm everything is fine right yeah we we praise survivors for how calm they are we tell them wow you're doing such a good job of dealing with yeah you're doing so great which look at you i'm so proud which just teaches a survivor that she needs to continue wearing the mask shut it down Yeah. yeah So on the one hand, we must have this opportunity to retell our own stories, to give ourselves the happy ending we deserve. We don't need in actual real life to become the cruelty that was done to us. I would go so far as to say that we need not to become the cruelty that was done to us. Yeah. We could even take it one step further and say we need to become the opposite. We need to become in our actions extraordinary kindness, gentleness, and grace that the perpetrator does not deserve. This is the be the change you want to see in the world. Even mm-hmm. though your body is like fight, destroy, kill your behavior, because mm-hmm. it is our choices, Harry, that show who we truly are far more than our abilities. Mm-hmm. That was my sig file quote in, when I worked at Smith for like from the day I started. The whole Mm -hmm. time. Never changed it. Mm -hmm. Because I was working in a place where people had extreme abilities. They had extraordinary abilities. They were there because they had extraordinary abilities. So it is our choices that show who we are far more than our abilities. And who are we? Who are we truly? We are not our pain. We are not our rage. We are not what was done to us, which is a thing survivors say all the time. What we are instead is our choices. And even though, like, the pain will live inside us, like it lives inside Kimmy, what our perpetrator does lives inside us. It's like, it's like an injury that's just slow to heal. Like, just uh-huh. we're reminded a little bit, or when we move in a particular way, we feel the twinge. We're like, oh, God damn, God damn it. You just still have that stuff. Okay, so we all need to be able to tell the story over and over again, rewriting it in a different way. But our actual choices need to be not doing to other people the thing that was done to us. Mm-hmm. And all the choices need to be there. We need the satisfaction of imagining what would it feel like to destroy the bad guy. And every oh, yeah. time we imagine it, we are we get to the end of destroying everything. Boom. And then Joey... Yeah, the story I tell all the time of being God, imagining myself as Godzilla, destroying the campus where I was getting my doctorate, mm-hmm. that was very satisfying. And it meant that I didn't actually have to do it. Because I did it in my imagination and that was enough. And doing it in your imagination is what puts you in a state where you are well enough not to have to do it in real life. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. You put your rage someplace safe, like on the treadmill or in your imagination or in a story, instead of putting it out in the real world or trying to like stuff it down and pretend it doesn't exist, in which case it does still exist. It's just hiding and it's going to blow up someplace inappropriate. Right. So we spend some time uh, rewriting the story in our imagination so that Mm -hmm. we can be well enough to refuse to be distracted from helping others. Mm -hmm. Because of course we have an impulse to hurt someone who hurt us. Of course Mm -hmm. we have an impulse to like want our perpetrator to feel all the pain that they caused us. That's, I'm going to say normal and healthy to have a craving for punishment. It feels like justice. Tit for tat Mm -hmm. may or may not be justice. I am not a person who can make a call like that. But I do know that a survivor healing has nothing to do with the consequences to the perpetrator. 
we think that consequences to the perpetrator is what's going to help a survivor heal. And it is nope. not. It is not. Nope. Though they do sneak it in there. In the little, like, news brief that we see after the scene where we give her the happy end. They just sort of, <laughs> yeah. like, brush by the fact that he was killed in prison. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> like, they know how to be, like, super satisfying, but also apparently evidence-based. And I don't know if they, like, read books about trauma or if the people writing it, including Tina Fey, just have, like, a really deep, intuitive, like, intuitive. narrative instinct about yeah. how trauma works in real life. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So... Basically, this was just me wanting to, like, talk about how extremely good it was. Usually when you see these kinds of stories where a survivor confronts their perpetrator and they get to destroy the perpetrator, whether it's by killing them or by putting them in prison or whatever, like, that's a healing moment for the survivor. And this is the first place I've ever seen it made real and explicit No, that is not how it works. It does not heal a person to have consequences for the perpetrator. It may sort of close a sort of like intellectual door, may bring a sense of satisfaction, but it doesn't heal the pain. Mm -hmm. And it often leaves the person feeling lost and losing more because they invested so much effort in chasing down the perpetrator and causing harm to the perpetrator. They end up losing everything. Yeah. Kimmy didn't start chasing him down for vengeance she he was in jail already and he escapes to go to the bunker but she she hunts him down because she wants to protect these other girls who might be hurt yeah so she doesn't do it for herself but she does she does do it she gets in that chase right and of course that's all the metaphor for like the way when a person who's a survivor of trauma gets to a place where they're like about to like achieve their happily ever after it absolutely mm-hmm. is a thing that happened that their trauma sort of bubbles back up and tries to get in the way and interfere <laughs> and be like what if what if and if that shows up in the face of like i think there might be other girls in another bunker and i have to go save them like that's a metaphor for what happens in real life to a person who's been through trauma and is about to take a step into a happy ever after that they have to like battle their own stuff inside them yeah in order to make their way into it yeah into the happily ever after have we made clear why i like this so much yeah i think i think it's like i find it so satisfying that Mm -hmm. all of that is there like Mm -hmm. i love that we have the chance to kill the reverend over Mm -hmm. and over and over again right so basically i just want to say If you, listener like me, have been dissatisfied by mainstream pop culture stories of survivors confronting their perpetrators and like fucking Game of Thrones did it all the time where the survivor would confront or kill or destroy their perpetrator and like have this smug little smile as if it's Mm -hmm. a healing moment. It's not a healing moment. It's not how it works. Healing has nothing to do with consequences for not nothing to do with consequences for the perpetrator not nothing but only a little bit and it's not automatic if it instantly if it comes at a cost it comes at a cost kimmy's unbreakableness the whole like the point of the show is that she's unbreakable it comes from her own optimism her delight in pleasure and her determination so strong kimmy why are you so strong kimmy (laughs) yes yeah why is she so strong Mm-hmm. It's because of her. It has nothing to do with consequences to the perpetrator. Mm-hmm. And her greatest strength is that she always makes the right choice. She always stays and reads the book to the baby. Mm-hmm. That's, that's another one of the choices you can make. I'm just saying. Yeah. You should try every option 
but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it's not just a matter of, you can't just sit and watch them all. They branch into trunks and branches and twigs and leaves. It's very complicated. Like a choice you make way at the beginning will have consequences much later in the story. Yeah. When you have forgotten that you made it. branch off into a totally separate tree if you make a decision in the middle. Like it's, yeah, it's great. It's fun. Unbreakable. They alive, damn it. It's a miracle. Unbreakable. It's going to be a fascinating transition. Ooh, damn it, damn it. <laughs> so that's it for this episode of the Feminist Survival Project 2020. I'm Amelia Nagoski. And I'm Emily Nagoski. You can follow us on the social medias at FSP2020 on Twitter and Instagram, although the Twitter is really just reposting of the Instagram stuff. Did you watch Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? Did you watch the Choose Your Own Adventure? What was your favorite ending? Did you, did kill, you find it deep and did, dark? Or were you like, this is a dumb cartoon? Did you kill the Reverend all three ways? Or did you, did you only all, make all good choices ways. for Kimmy? You might be a better person than we are. No, yeah. no, there's no, the whole point of this, there's no moral weight in using your imagination to slaughter your enemies. Yeah. <laughs> The moral of the story is, (laughs) there is no moral weight to imagining the slaughter of your enemies. Thanks for listening. The Feminist Survival Project 2020 is a part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts.